love you. Gentle folk, ladies and men, we're glad to have you here again. So please, won't you come on in and sit with us here on the couch? Mm. I'm the green traveler from Gorsh. And I am the faceless Leon. I had to like hold myself back there. I'm very excited for today's episode. Yes. Very excited. I'm like a volcano ready to explode. And this is an episode of Green and Faceless on the Couch, a podcast about movies and TV. Hell yeah. And it's about TV today. A special, very special TV. What are we talking about? Uh, We're talking about my favorite, uh, just entertainment creation of all time and that is <laughs> doctor who so here here's the thing with doctor who there's a lot of it right yeah. I, I didn't do the full tally but i think it's probably close to a thousand episodes by now it's gotta not, be it's gotta be yeah. at least that I ridiculous think. amount like the first the first like three doctor or four doctors even were all like i think a hundred episodes so yeah like they, they got much shorter after that and so there's what 14 of them uh I don't want to spoil things. <laughs> we will say in the in the in the known public knowledge there are thirteen presented doctors. Okay. Uh, there is the war doctor, which does make the typical. You know, if if you're not a huge Whovian, if you're not like super up on date, you might not know about the war doctor. Uh, yeah, but we will definitely be talking about him someday. Yeah. yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best because because here's how I, here's the thing. There's so much ep- so many episodes. There's so many ways we could approach Doctor Who, and uh, we're I'm going about it as the, at the second broadest level. You know, the broadest level would just be to talk the show, right? But that's no yeah. fun for me. But that's no fun that, at all. That for would me. be really hard. It's a lot, a lot of show. Yeah. A lot, a lot. I would show, like yeah. be trying to do one episode for all of there is of Star Trek. Exactly. It, Which, it's just uh, ridiculous. Just a little hint. There, this might happen with Star Trek too. That's yeah. my my favorite kind of entertainment. Well, that's that's. I mean, that's the thing is like uh, this is my favorite show, and I've been uh, trying very hard to gather individuals in my life who have seen this show because pushing it off onto people, even though it's what I want to do, and it is almost certainly what I do do. Uh, it's <laughs> it's still. Do. I know it's still uh, it's 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 a hard thing to you know to accomplish because it's not going to be everybody's you know bread and butter. It's it's for most cup people it's going to be very you can hard. Say to cup watch. of tea. It's English. Cup of tea. That's true. It's English. <laughs> ah, I missed an opportunity. I feel so stupid now. I'm going to quit. We're done. No, yeah, we're done. done. This is the last episode <laughs> of Green Faces on the Couch. We hope you have enjoyed it thus far. Uh, I'm so and- pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well i think this is as good of time as any for for me to oh to sing a song well, i was i was just finishing up though was that oh, uh sure. it, it, it's hard to push this off on other people you know as it's being being a very broad show with numerous areas where you can jump on right for somebody with ocd like me jumping in in the middle was a very difficult decision but then yeah. once I did, I immediately went all the way back to the very first Doctor and watched everything. But to to assume that my friends, that my family, and that, you know, people I just met will be as interested in watching it is a very bad assumption. Because <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's a niche, it's a niche show. 
And it's the same way with uh, with you and Star Trek. We have tried so many times to watch Star Trek together, and while I love it, I can't retain anything well, on it. Yeah, and I I do think that's because you always want to start with the OG Star Trek, and I there's nothing wrong with the OG Star Trek. It's good, but mm. Next Gen is just so much easier to get into because the just it's just it's just the modern the way that tv storytelling has evolved since the 60s at least american television it you know yeah. the storytelling in the 90s just is completely different completely different pace and it's still a slow paced show but right there's just something about it that it's that's easier for people of our generation at least i think to latch on to and i think you're right but but someday I do intend to tackle the Star Trek, yes. both you know, both OG and new gen, and maybe beyond. I'm a little weary Honestly, about beyond, dude. I gotta tell you, well, I I haven't watched the brand new ones, Discovery or Picard yet, but yeah, I didn't know what they were called. <laughs> secret review of all the Star Trek shows, I guess, right now. But Voyager and Deep Space Nine, both very good shows. They, nice. they okay, are the, of the same the... generation as the next generation. They spun off of that. And then there was Star Trek Enterprise, and I didn't finish that. So that wasn't as good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that, that's the thing. It's like there's, there's hit and miss for both of these shows. And uh, we, we both just decided the easiest way to do this, since we both want to talk our favorite shit, but it's going to be very difficult for both of us to watch our favorite shit. It's to just let one of us go to fucking town on it. Yeah. And then the other one of us can take over the podcast just like this. Take me out to the living room. Take me out to my chair. I don't remember the rest of this song. But goddamn, that was a good segue. This was bad. (laughs) 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 This was the faceless pitch. (laughs) <laughs> oh, this is a, it went from being a good segue to this is bad in less than a breath <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the latest season of doctor who where it went from being real good to real oh, bad in less than a breath real real time opinions here okay well all right i'm gonna talk to you about just to pad this episode a little bit but i'm gonna be quick because i know you got a lot you want to talk about i got I got three shows that I've recently finished here, and I'm going to start talking about one that I know that you enjoy as well, but they just did their third season this last October. This is What We Do in the Shadows. Now, What We Do in the Shadows started out as a mockumentary movie by Taika Waititi. Uh, This is still produced by him, and I I thought he was doing some writing for it. But it does not have Jermaine Clemens as Aww. as in uh, the the mockumentary. Uh, Taika does. They both actually have cameos in it, though. So you know, but it, that it's very slight. This story takes place in Staten Island, where that one play, took place in New Zealand because that's where they're from. But it focuses on Mandor. The Relentless. Oh, I didn't even tell you what what we do in the shows is about. It's a, a mockumentary <laughs> about vampires. 
And right. it's ridiculous and awesome because it's they're just trying <laughs> to live modern lives, but they're vampires, so they don't know what to do with that. Like, you know, one of them's like 400 years old and uh, one of them's like a thousand. The guy is like <laughs> Nosferatu. Uh, in the TV version, uh, we have Nandor the Relentless, who is like 700 or something like that. From And he used to be a ruler of a country. But now he just lives in this house in Staten Island. <laughs> uh, he is played by uh, Kayvon Novak. He's just a great character. I love Nandor. He makes me laugh all the fucking time. His familiar, Guillermo de la Cruz, played by Harvey Gayen. I know I didn't pronounce that right, but I love you, Harvey. You are in a couple <laughs> of shows that I just... Your character is always... Like this strange mix of adorable and uh, just really funny. He, he's he got really good timing. And they play this like wonderful couple. And he, he Guillermo, Guillermo, that is, is always trying to convince Nandor to make him a vampire. And it just doesn't happen. There's also Laszlo Cravensworth, played by Matt Berry, the illustrious yes. Matt Berry. Yes, we yep. all know. Uh, if you don't know, then you don't know. But he's he's hilarious, and he and he know. plays Matt Berry, but he's a vampire. I mean, right? You know, you know what I mean. Matt Berry always plays Matt you know. Berry. Um, <laughs> it's always fucking wonderful. <laughs> it is. Uh, and there is his wife who turned him, uh, Nausea, and she is played by Natasha Demitor. Which I'm sure nice. I've pronounced that wrong as well. But goddamn, all fucking four of them are fucking fantastic, as well as their fifth wheel, Colin Robinson, the energy vampire, played by <laughs> Mark Porkish. That looks Polish, and I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry. Which, let's, let's be honest, like that is like my favorite aspect of this. Uh, the whole concept is great, but that's the yeah. best aspect of the concept. Is is that uh, one of them's an energy vampire? Yes, yes. The energy yeah. vampire idea is just genius. I fucking yes. love that shit. So the rest of them, you know, they can't go out in daylight. They 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 are afraid of garlic and shit and all that stuff. But the energy vampires, they don't have all those weaknesses, and they have they can go to day jobs and stuff, and even eat food. Uh, but they drain on people's energy like they are purposely ridiculously boring uh yep. so as to drain people of their energy uh and he like from time to time drains his housemates and it's hilarious and every single season has just built on itself so well guillermo really gets some appreciation going in the sec second and third season which makes him a much stronger character i think but the ending of, of this third season, they end it in a way that if they didn't get a second season, it would be okay. But also uh, a fourth season, rather, that would be all right. But if they do continue, I am excited for it because the nice. group kind of got split up. And that's all I'll, ha I'll say because I don't want to spoil shit. So it will be fun to watch if they bring it back. What do you think? I mean, it's an easy swing. Like, I'm definitely... I've seen the first season and I loved it, but the problem is like it's one of those shows that I want to digest with people. 
Mm-hmm. But when I'm with people nowadays, that's very limited time and it's very dear to me and I don't want to be watching television when I'm doing right. that. So right. it's, it's, it's a very big conundrum in my life where it's like I want to watch this show, but I don't want to watch it by myself. And I don't want to take the time out of my, my hangout time with my friends to just watch a show, which even though it's we'd enjoy it, it's like I want I want to do other things. So it's 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 a definitely a swing. It's just something that I have to figure out how to swing at. Yeah. <laughs> well, we so much have loved this show, our group of friends, and, and you by proxy. I know you've seen a few episodes with us that we had a D and D campaign kind of based off of this show. Moreover, one of the characters, uh, Casimir the Just, was pretty much Nandor the Relentless. And, oh, yeah, like almost 100%. Uh, almost 100%. But it was pretty funny. The townspeople of, of the area called him Casimir the Just Sits because they didn't even know he was in the castle for about 50 years. So, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. All right. Up next, up to bat, is Netflix's explained series so i don't know if you've seen this but each episode typically has a different narrator from people from like rachel mcadams to kyle mclaughlin kevin smith has done an episode even lakeith stanfield who who you know we talk about a lot jk simmons yes everybody is jumping on this show to record an episode and it's just a 30-minute blip exp- trying to explain to the viewer as best as they can one particular subject like sugar or racism, I think, is even a, one of the episodes. Skin or I'm trying to think of some of the episodes, but it's stuff that's like <laughs> it's especially here recently. It's been stuff that is constantly kind of thrown around as trigger words and stuff, but like nobody really has a complete explanation in their mind of what it is uh so i think for that reason this show i i deem it as important but it is also the creators at netflix's perspective so you know whatever that is to you but anyways i figured that would be a real quick pitch that i could throw your way yeah uh sounds interesting uh, hmm. I haven't really heard anything about it. What what was it called? It's called Explained. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it. Well, uh, they got a couple seasons here. It drops out yeah. uh, every once in a while, and when it does, they do a weekly episode. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would swing at it. Being weekly would definitely make it easier for me. Right. Again, I don't know why, but like being limited to only being able to watch an episode a week helps, I guess. Because I can I can do that shit, but. Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 even though it sounds interesting, I don't know if I would swing at this one. I would probably just let that go by and just let people recap the cool bits for me. Yeah, well, then I'll recap uh, two two other episodes that I wanted to talk about. Like, there was one about flags that was really good. Like, even if you just picked and choose, like, it's not a canonical thing. So, mm. I, but I know with how you are, that might be difficult. But uh, there's one about flags that I thought was really cool. The ones that get political, I think, are really cool. And one about the monarchy. And I learned in the one about the monarchy that basically in all those countries that are their own country that were once upon a time considered the Commonwealth, they they really Mm. still are. The the queen, they still have the queen on their money. And 
Uh, and I knew Canada had the queen on their money, but I was like, well, but they're their it? own country? And they who are, it? but they yeah. still have some protections from UK. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah. who was it just recently? Was it Barbados that just uh, denounced her? Uh, maybe. I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah. There, there was a country just recently, it was like a week or so ago, uh, as of us recording this, that, that left the monarchies. You know, wow. they're, they're no longer no longer overshadowed by that. Well, good for them. I, I mean, it really is just like, it was just this big political move, really, where they're like, hey, we're going to let you guys do it yourself now, but we're still going to have excellent trade relations with you to the point yeah. <laughs> where we're really taking advantage. Yep. But yeah. It's not, you know, I'm not going to put too much of my opinion on it because I don't know enough. Lastly, I'm going to pitch at you. I don't even know if you've heard of this one. Uh, Solar Opposites. This is an uh, animated comedy series. So Justin Rowland from Rick and Morty. Yes. He, I don't remember if he, yes, he's one of the creators and he voices a lot of characters because that's his gift to the world and it is hilarious it is about corvo and terry yumulak and jesse corvo is played by justin roland terry thomas middleditch oh nice i like yeah yumulak is played by sean gameborn and jesse is played by mary mack they are aliens from outer space and their planet was going to be destroyed, so they got in a spaceship and shot themselves off along with a poop, a pupa. So they land on Earth, and they're kind of just having regular everyday lives on Earth. The show really doesn't make any sense. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it, but it doesn't have to, you know, it's one of those things. It's right. really hilarious, and uh, they do a bunch of funny, funny stuff. And the pupa is eventually going to evolve and eat the world. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so every every season so far, it's had three seasons? I don't think that's right. It's probably just two. It's, ch- it's, it's evolved a little bit at the end of the season. So every season is a different color. And Corvo and Terry have different views on the world, right? So Corvo's like, humans suck. I hate this. And Terry's like, human stuff is great. Let's watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and Yumulak and Jesse are actually replicants of them, not their children. But they still have to go to high school. And <laughs> that's, that's the show. Besides the fact that Yumulak has this wall in his room that he occasionally shrinks people and put into. And every once in a while, the oh. show is about the society that's being built in the wall. And it's the best. It is literally the best. Okay. Okay. What do you think about Solar Opposites? It sounds absolutely absurd. Yes. I definitely watch it. <laughs> yeah, I know it's so good. It's on Hulu, man. <laughs> yeah, Rick Rick and Morty was one of the last shows that I like tried to keep up on. That was right. around the the time of the breaking of my mind, where I was just like, I'm done. I'm done trying to keep up with television. Yeah. Like, you know, I was, uh, there was there was a period where I was watching you know like a lot of CW shows, like all of the DC shows, Rick and Morty, Doctor Who, everything. And there's just there's just a moment where I was like, no, it's no. just Doctor Who from now on. And I mean, and I'm trying to break that. I'm trying to get back into into the swing of things. But 
Yeah, Rick and Morty was one of the the last shows that I desperately loved and tried to catch all of. Right. And then there just there just grew a period where I was just like, ah, oh, I can't. But it was nothing to do with Justin Roiland. So it's like that was one of the the things that brought me back to Rick and Morty all the time was I fucking love Justin Roiland. Yes, so, he's so funny. Yeah. To compare it to Rick and Morty, very similar humor except not nearly as depressing yeah <laughs> by a mile but see i love that about rick and morty. <laughs> i do love that about rick and morty but it got a little hard and that's i, I haven't watched the newer stuff so yeah, i haven't seen the last two seasons i think because because just life is hard enough you know so <laughs> <laughs> oh, but i don't know there's there's something about a comedy that can get dark oh yeah and like, i mean i love more... it about that i really yeah. do yeah. Secret review of Rick and Morty. But dude, <laughs> Solar Opposites is a great follow-up to that show for Justin, and I'm glad that he did this because it makes me laugh. So Nice. Tell me about William Hartnell. Yeah, because that's what makes me laugh is Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> before that, I will toss this out here real quick just to make sure we get this in and get it out of the way. If you like what you're listening to, uh, you can head on down to patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. And you can sign up to one of our tiers, check out our merchandise offers that we have there. Like we don't, I don't think we have separate merchandise by itself, but it's attached right. to some tiers and yeah, you have the option of right. getting it. And it's really nice. And you would help us out a lot. You'd help us uh, improve the quality of this show, the content of this show. And so thank you for that. We love you we so much, do. Couch Potatoes. We love you, Couch and, Potatoes. Uh, and, you know, you. I feel like you bring up a good point. If you guys would like a green and faceless t-shirt or something like that you know leave a comment be like hey maybe you guys should have some merch we'd like to know because if you guys would want want to buy it we'd love to provide it so please let us know with with that do you think maybe a quick soda pop break before we get in yeah yeah that'd be fine that'd be fine i can i can contain myself for a soda pop okay But not really, right? Yeah, no, we're back, right? Yeah. Okay. We're yeah, back. we're good. We good. Okay, you can you can rip the lid off now. <laughs> way back in the day, way back nineteen sixty, like two ish nineteen sixty. I mean, it came out nineteen sixty three. I don't know when the first thought was formulated though, but I assume nineteen sixty three is when the first thought entered Cindy Newman's head. I need a TV show about something strange. About and he, something strange. <laughs> it's really it. That's what it was. He knew he needed a sci-fi show. He knew he had just recently worked on sci-fi. His name was Sidney Newman. He was the uh, the head of the BB uh, head of drama at the BBC, the British Broadcasting Company. If you're if you're a schlob and don't know it, uh, but he was uh, he was just a big deal. He did a lot of shows back in the day, and he had just had success with sci-fi, and he had a he had a thirty minute slot. Available between a sports showcase show called Grandstand and a pop program called Jukebox Jury. Oh, okay. Yeah, thirty minute slot to fill. Yeah, it's, it sounds so ridiculous to think that I'm going to fill that spot with a sci-fi show, but he did. He uh, he wanted it to be sci-fi, and he had I, I I don't remember who all was involved. There was more big brains at the at the company than him. Uh, you know, there was, there was Donald Wilson, who was a, a head of the script department or something like that. Like, there was a bunch of people who got together in a group. They had a, lot, a couple of meetings about this to figure out this show. And what came from it was we want a mysterious man named the Doctor 
He doesn't even have a name. He's just the doctor. He's just and the he, doctor. He's, he's just the doctor, and he's traveling in a police telephone box. We don't have those very much in America. I don't even know if we ever had them. Uh, but in England, they don't yeah, really have used them to be... anymore. <laughs> in England, no, no, they don't. No, they don't. They, I mean, they still do have telephone booths and boxes everywhere. But like, I don't know if they have police telephone box specifically. Right. But it used to just be an area where you would, you know, if you if you're in trouble, you go to that telephone booth, you'd call the police. And they they wanted this guy to be just traveling around, and it came to them, let's have him travel around in space and time. Hell, let's not even have him be from Earth. He's an alien. That's how it is now. He is a person. He looks like a human, but he is actually an alien from some mystery, mysterious planet traveling around through time and space in a telephone box. Absolutely absurd. But yep. everywhere he goes, he finds trouble, typically, and he tries to resolve it. And he is always he is always a, a heroic figure. He's not a warrior. Right. That's the thing. Is uh, I can't remember who said it. It might have been Stephen Moffat. might have been... It was one of the showrunners, I believe, but they were just like, when they created this guy, they didn't give him a gun, they didn't give him a sword, they gave him a sonic screwdriver to fix things. Yep. You know, they didn't they didn't give him a warrior spirit, they gave him two hearts to care more for people. You know, he, he is just, he is supposed to be this considerate individual. That's not to say he doesn't always get angry. He is very... Yes. Uh, yeah. And I should say they, they, because uh, with Jody <clears throat> Whitaker... They have they finally broken that ceiling and is no longer just uh, men only. The doctor can Which is tr- awesome. regenerate. Yeah, regenerate into anybody, and that's. Uh, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the problem. Is there's so much to talk about, and I'm so ADHD that I forget things. Right. But the the race that the doctor is a part of are called Time Lords, a very pretentious, pompous name, and they are individuals who have figured out space and time. You know, they can time travel. They have the capability to, to alter events and stuff like that. And even though they don't, they're supposedly not supposed to, they don't want to alter, you know, periods of time. But sometimes that happens. Uh, but they have figured sometimes. out how to basically avoid death, which is when they, when they die, as long as their body's not basically completely destroyed and in a few other exceptions, they can regenerate literally every cell of their body and have another life. That life has its own personality, but it is still the same person. And that's what's happened throughout this whole show's history. That's why there's 14 different doctors. You know, every time the doctor dies, he regenerates into the next actor who takes the position. Can I ask a question? Yes. Um, yes, you can. Did this tradition of the Time Lords, did it happen before or because William Hartnell needed to leave the show? So that's... It happened because Hartnell needed to leave the show. They had no idea. Uh, they hadn't even touched upon the idea of regeneration. They didn't even call it regeneration until John Pertwee's era. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's like with with Hartnell and Troughton, I don't even think that they might have called it like – I can't remember what they called it. Like he, he went through like a, a, a reiteration or something like that. Like they, they didn't have the, the naming down for any of it. They didn't even have an explanation for it. He was just different. He just happened. He's just an alien. Yeah, okay. he's just an alien. Yeah, and it's it's just a very bold decision, but like he was a very different character, and so the hard part of that is how do we make that relatable to audiences? Well, you surround them with humans. The Doctor always has a human companion, or not always, but like typically they're a human companion. Typically. Or they look human. Exactly, and that's the way for the audience to enjoy it. 
that's you know that's their relatable aspect is like imagine it if you're walking home from work one day and this blue telephone box lands in front of you you walk inside and you discover yeah and you discover because it's a very small box on the outside but you walk in and it's a massive room just impossibly bigger on the inside with that leads to other rooms like exactly it's, it's and then like you go back in time or you go forward town. in time yeah and it's just it's just it's ridiculous like you of course you're going to go with this guy because it's just it's a massive yeah. amazing journey and he's really nice and of charismatic and charming I would go yeah yeah i mean fuck if david Tennant landed in front of me i'm fucking oh, fuck in yeah, a heartbeat yeah, no yeah. goddamn question colin baker if, if he landed in front of me i would think a little bit about it because he's dressed really yeah. fucking weird but yeah. that's about it <laughs> come on peter let's go me and <laughs> but but back in 1963 they finally you know once they figured out what they wanted this show to be which was just this madman in a box traveling through time and space they they uh Cindy newman chose verity lambert who is bbc's first ever female producer he chose her to be the first showrunner for this. Like back then wow. they weren't called showrunners. That She was just the producer. But she was in charge of it for the first two seasons for you know most of William Hartnell's career. And she made a lot of big decisions that went against what Sidney Newman wanted. Because Sidney wow. Newman, he, he was famous for saying, I don't want any bug-eyed aliens. <laughs> no bug-eyed aliens. Well, in the very second serial, the, the second story of William Hartnell, Rarity Lambert introduces the Daleks. The doctor's biggest enemy, which is a gigantic, like, penis-shaped dome. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not shaped like a penis at all. But it's, it's. I don't know how to describe it. It's a cone. Yeah, but it's yeah, it, it's it's a robot that just. It's a robot. Well, yeah. it's not a robot. It's well, got a slithery octopus-like thing right. inside of it. It's not it's quite just a, a robot. It's a tank for a slime thing. But it, yeah. it it just it really looks like a cylinder, but it's a little flanged like a cone, like you say. Yeah. And, and at the very top, it's got a stalk and a gigantic bug eye. Yep. And immediately, Sidney Newman was pissed, and he's like, "Nope, we ain't doing it." But she, Verity Lambert, being the badass woman that she was, <laughs> she's like, "No, you're gonna let me do my fucking show, yeah. or it's gonna crash and burn." Because it's crashing and burning right now. They had done four episodes of The Unearthly Child, which was the first serial of Doctor Who. And it wasn't doing so good. It, it, like, it, wasn't, it wasn't getting well received. It was very kind of dry. Very, it was a period piece. That was the problem. Okay. Is the Doctor Who has, uh, two, it has two basic type of tales. It's got either hard sci-fi or a historical piece, at least at the beginning. It had those like very two right. stories. And, the, and for me, the historicals did not work at all. I, I get bored with those. They're very okay. Dry I, want, I was curious what you thought of the goods, the first, the first uh, story yeah. arc. As as the show gets on, they don't do many historicals after the first Doctor. Uh, but when they do do do, yeah, I said do do again. <laughs> when they do do historicals, it's really it's more interesting. And when they add more sci fi elements and make it a little bit more, it doesn't have to you know be set in time it, history is in flux you can change the little bits of it you know then it became more fun right but those There's first ones points. like the it's important yeah yeah and the, the very first historical they go back to like caveman days and it's just kind of silly interesting it's, yeah it's, it's a little ridiculous it's it's not in my opinion it's not the greatest the first episode itself uh titled the, the unearthly child yeah well it's titled the unearthly child that's a 
fabulous piece of episode. I fucking love that. I'll watch that any goddamn day. It's great. And because it's mysterious, it's, you know, it's, it's, you, you, when you watch it, you're almost immediately hooked because it's like, well, what the fuck's going on? Because it's, it's a young woman going to, uh, going home from school. She's being followed by her teachers who kind of are worried about her because they think maybe she's homeless. Maybe she doesn't, mm. uh, she's very smart, very intelligent, but there's just something, there's something mm. off about her and her grandpa. And they follow her back to this alley and she walks inside of a telephone box and they're like, well, what the fuck just happened? Why is she going into a telephone box? And they go in. I mean, there's more to it, but they basically get dragged in after a while. And mm. that's where you find out that the grandpa is the doctor. The, the young woman is his granddaughter, Suzanne, which they don't haven't at all gone back to ever since she left the show. They, <laughs> they don't they explain. They mentioned it. They, they just, have mentioned it. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and they, they don't, don't want to go into per- his personal details. They pretend like they're going to go into it. And then yeah. they don't. <laughs> yep, that's this. That's the entire thing about this show. And like, as we go on, I'll talk about it more and more because when we get closer to modern times, you kind of want them to start going into aspects of his life right. or of their life. And the, the show just does not want to at all. And it's like, come on, just like <laughs> give us some kind of concrete details about this character. It's been going on for fucking thirty-eight years. <laughs> but th- 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 those were the first companions. You had Suzanne, his granddaughter. Uh, I keep saying Suzanne. It's uh, it's Susan. I, I don't know why Susan. I keep wanting to make it more Susan is my grandmother's is. name. And, and Susan was fun, but uh, the other two companions are Ian and Barbara. Those were the, the that was the core group. You had two teachers, the doctor's granddaughter, who was also a student of those two teachers, and then the doctor. And it was a great, you know, way to incorporate it into the audience's worlds because it was it was educational almost for the historical episodes. And then for the crazy hard sci-fi episodes, it was even more fun. And it became a huge thing in Britain. Like, people fucking, like, they looked forward to it. It was good family time. You know, you'd get to sit down on the couch and then just get lost in this world. And it was so much fun. And, like, from the very opening theme song, which uh, I want to give a shout out, uh, the theme was written by Ron Grainer and realized by Delia Derbyshire. I love that theme. It's had so many iterations over time, but like it's always been the very core, just like do we, yeah, we, I fucking love it. It's great. Yeah, it's 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 just brilliant piece of music. So thank you to them for that. But uh, I'm I'm just I'm rambling. That's all that's happened. I'm just that is rambling. okay. Oh, it's great rambles. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I guess I'll just go into the era itself, the William Hartnell era, three years. So he, he the first episode was released on November 23rd, 1963. And I've memorized that date because it's the day after JFK was assassinated. Wow. <laughs> and they had to re-air it. They had to re-air the very first episode the week after because nobody watched it because the president of the United States had just been assassinated. Yes, I mean, it had, yeah. it had uh, everybody was watching it, the news. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when they re-aired it, it helped it a lot. People were caught on more, but you know, viewership started to fall off in that first serial because the way Dr. Who is, was structured back in the day was it was multiple serial seasons. So like the first season was like 40 episodes. Wow. And in those 40 episodes, you had like, seven different stories called serials which were just multi-episode stories so uh that first serial kind of petered down a bit 
Verity Lambert's like, you have to let me do my show. And Sydney just gave in. Is like, fine, do these stupid alien Dalek things. And she does the Daleks. The very second serial of the, the entire show sets up the Doctor's biggest fucking enemy of all time. Yeah. And they scare people. They're very, they're very much like Nazis, basically. They're uh, all about... Yes, their temperament, definitely. Yeah, they're, they're all about uh, just kind of purifying the whole universe into nothing but Daleks. They want to just destroy. And they weren't that much in the, the first serial. They're a little more like... Uh, isolated to one planet and not just the whole universe but as the show goes on they become more and more about extermination that's yes. their famous exterminate exterminate yeah fucking love it and I don't I don't remember who does the voice acting for that but that guy's a goddamn genius too <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's it scared people people were legitimately terrified of these Daleks way back in 1963 or maybe it was 64 when it came out uh but it, well, it just that's what saved the show i think why they were legitimately scared of it is is kind of a cool thing to maybe go into a little bit is like what this this show it really for europe and and england especially is not that long after the war because there's a big rebuilding right. period that they had to go through and so it's still there's still you know people who are in the prime of their life who fought in those that war and right. it, it was awful and like to have something like this that is such a te- technological creature which you know those the those two world wars you know the art world's technology just exploded and right. into explosives <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so I could understand why somebody would be legitimately afraid of the Daleks in that time period. Yeah. For us, it's just like, oh yeah, they're 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 <laughs> they're a little basically goofy. Yeah, you, put... yeah, you could kick them yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as the as the show has overused them, it has like you know fluctuated between them being just kind of a ridiculous pushover enemy and them being like the crazy super bad. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there is there is a period of time in this show where it literally is kind of like the doctor will kneel down on the ground and be on all fours, and the companion will just push the Dalek over the doctor and oh it just falls God. down and explodes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, there, there's there's some down periods in this show. That's for sure. You have to, and that's why it's so hard to like get people to you know to to just watch it all with me is because there's a lot of episodes where you'll watch it and be like, I'm bored as fuck. And I'm sitting here like, no, it's good, it's good. It's Trust good, me, it's, it's good. good. That's how I feel with the OG Star Trek, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with, with you know, the Daleks, they saved the show, and then it just, like, took off from there. They, I, You know, I'm not going to give a whole listing of all the serials or anything, but needless to say, for the, the first Doctor's era, for William Hartnell's reign, there were 29 serials, so there were 29 different stories of the first Doctor, and in those 29 serials, you have 134 episodes. He was there for wow. a long time, for three years. 134 episodes is quite a you know span a for- lot. I mean, that's like a full year job instead of how TV is run yeah. uh, well, I mean, nowadays. Like, I, I think if you add the- I mean, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but if you add the total number of episodes of Lost- like, I don't think it comes anywhere near 134. 
I think it might be over a hundred for six seasons, but but I don't think. But it's they did they did twenty four. They did like twenty four episodes for the first three, and then after right. that, it got cut down to like ten. So yeah, I think you, they might have just broken right. a hundred. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like that is a long span of time for one guy, and then William Hartnell was an elderly actor. He was very famous for for westerns. He was a gunslinger for a lot of movies, <laughs> and he was fucking like he was tired of it. I mean, I kind only of see him as as the doctor, so it's really hard exactly. to imagine. <laughs> and, and that's kind of the beauty of it. So this is this this whole TV review is also going to be a bit of a green catch up because I want to mention another movie called uh, Adventures in Space and Time, and it is a kind of a biopic ish about the first Doctor's era. I highly oh, recommend cool. it uh, if if you're interested in it. Um, but that's where David Bradley, uh, Argus, fin- uh, Argus Finch, or Flint, from Harry I can't remember, Potter. But from Harry yeah. Potter, yeah, David Finch. Bradley. I think that's right. Finch, I think so too, yeah. Because it kind of has that it. crunchy sound to it that makes it uh, <laughs> a little scary for kids. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's a bird. Yeah. But David Bradley, I will say, I will cover other interpretations of the first Doctor as well as other, you know, odd Doctors in another episode later. But Dave Bradley's beautiful. Felch. It's not Filch. Filch. That's it. Filch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but in, in Adventures in Space Time, you get a lot of the beautiful aspect of how William Hartnell received this role. You know, he was kind of like at the end of his career, kind of given up hope on acting, a little bit of a grumpy grandpa. And then he gets this position where he gets to be a grumpy grandpa, basically. He gets to be himself. And... Yeah, and, and he immediately just grew. You know, kids were watching him everywhere. He soon became like this hero for kids. There was a moment in Adventures in Time and Space and Time where he's just in a park and he's just sitting on a bench, and then this horde of kids, a whole classroom, just come up and are just like, "Oh my God, you're the Doctor!" And he leads them on this like little expedition through the park. It's so cute and adorable. But like, he really did take to being a child's hero. You know, it it became the role of his life for him at the very end of his career. And it's just, it's a beautiful story. And and like, I fucking, yeah. And I love William Hartnell and his doctor is very, you know, as I said, he's very grandpa, crass, older guy. And at first he's a little harder to get into. Uh, He's, you know, in the, in the, the first, like, I think it's even the first serial. There's a moment where there's this guy who's wounded. He's on the ground. Ian and Barbara are like, we got to help this guy. And the doctor's leaning down to pick up a rock because he's like, no, we can't help this guy. He's going to slow us down. I'm going to kill him. That's like, that's the first, (laughs) like, like not the first episode, but probably the second episode of Hartnell's doctor. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. He's, he's just, he's a little bit of a cold hearted, stern individual. But as the show goes on in his era, as you get closer to the end of uh, Hartnell's reign, he starts to become just kind of like a bumbling, lovable grandpa, and he 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 be, you know he finds compassion in his companions. He he's starting to understand what they're good at, how they help him, and it's it's just beautiful. And the problem is, I want to get their the actors' names right. There came a moment around the second season where Susan uh, Susan, who was played by Carol Ann Ford, she left. Because Carol Ann Ford's character, she was promised, Carol Ann Ford was promised that she would be a strong female character. 
that her character would be like intellectually as strong as the doctor. There was even a bit of telekinesis, I believe, at the beginning with her character. Like she had, you know, she's supposed to be strong, but she immediately started to become just a damsel in distress. That's and it was stupid. just yeah. even with the, it, the female showrunner that I, that's a little well, sad. yeah. And that's the problem is that you also get this in the that adventure in space and time film is even though she is a female showrunner, she's still limited in what the men are allowing right. her to sure. tell. And they they wanted specifics, and that was one of the specifics is you can't have that character. You already got too many strong characters. Let let that one slide a bit. Too many you know, strong characters. You have a huh. you have a thirty minute episode, and you have three characters: Ian, Barbara, and the Doctor, who are already trying to do big things. Having a fourth character kind of bogged it down a bit, and I will agree with that. When they have way too many companions it does get a little grungy with this show because it's it's hard to make all of these characters mean something. Hmm. You know, it's harder it's hard for them to all have compelling stories and compelling actions when you're trying to get everybody to do things. Sure. And you know with and with the the doctor was the intelligent one, he was the one figuring out uh, how to get out of situations a lot. He was usually manipulating or being very charismatic to get them out of dangerous areas. Ian was the action, you know, uh, Ian's played by Ian Chesterton. He's played by William Russell and he was chosen because he was an action actor, you know, and he quickly became like my favorite thing about the first few seasons because he is so good as a leading character. Like Mm -hmm. it's almost his show more than it is the doctors for, for a couple episodes because he's the one who he remains calm, stoic. He gets them out of a lot of issues. He's very compassionate to everybody, not just, you know. The doctor takes a while to be a compassionate, whereas Ian right. is just always nice. And then Barbara is also kind of the she's she's the 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 healer of the group. She's uh, she's the uh, what's the D and D word I'm looking for? A cleric. The cleric. Thank you. She's the cleric uh, because you know she's she's also like the mother character. And Barbara Wright's played by Jacqueline Hill, equally as intelligent as Ian. Again, she's a teacher. And, like, you know, she becomes kind of like the mother or mentor figure, tutored figure for Susan. But once Susan goes, then, of course, Barbara kind of starts becoming a bit of the the damsel in distress kind of character. That sucks. And that's what that's. Yeah, that's when you start seeing a little bit of the issues. Um, That said, you know, Doctor Who has always been a show that has tried to be progressive and try to right right wrongs. And when they realize these issues are happening, they they do try to correct this sometimes, but you do see those uh, stereotypical issues slide in, right? Um, Every once in a while, throughout. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a huge show. You're going to have problems everywhere, but for the most part, it is still a very great show with very strong female and male characters. Like a lot of his female companions are typically amazing, but uh, in the beginning, they were definitely kind Struggling of shoved under the rug for the male companions. And when they all decided to leave, that's when it kind of started to weigh on William Hartnell a little bit. You had a new cast coming in that he was working with. Also, Verity Lambert left the show eventually around the end of season two. And she was replaced by John Wiles. He stayed on for like two serials. And then he was replaced by a guy named Enos Lloyd. 
And Enos Lloyd, Enos, he took over. Yeah, Enos, a very, very important name. Strong name. Enos. Strong name. <laughs> very strong name. Strong name. Uh, he was he was the showrunner for a lot of the Troughton era. So I'll talk more about him when we get to Troughton. But he did have a, a very significant impact on the show. He created a lot of the monsters, but most specifically, he was the one who came up with the idea of regeneration. Okay. Because, cool. yeah, near the end of William Hartnell's era, he was suffering unknowingly from arteriosclerosis. Oh. And it was impacting his acting. Because, again, 134 episodes, you're doing like 40 episodes a year. He That's was a crazy busy. amount of work, man. It yeah. really is. Constantly. Yeah. And, and for, for an, uh, I don't know how old William Hartnell was at the time, but for an older actor, that was a lot to ask it for. And and they didn't have they had limited resources, limited money back in the sixties. So like you'll you'll see it a lot when you're watching the show, the that William Hartnell, the first doctor, will stumble over his lines. And it, it became kind of like a stutter. Like they kind of worked it in. It kind of still makes sense. Like it's not very you know, it doesn't ruin the show. You're not watching it like this is stupid. You can't even, you know. But like you definitely see that he'll forget his lines sometimes. Oh man. And yeah, and, and he'll just be, like, sitting there bumbling or, like, he won't know what to say or he'll stutter over one word or the whole sentence, like, three times. And it's because they couldn't do a retake. They were limited on time, limited on money. They they had to go oh, with what man. they were given. And so, that started to weigh the show down because as he got arteriosclerosis, it started to get worse and worse. And that's when Enos Lloyd's like, I need a new idea and he talked to Sidney Newman and Sidney's like, I'll talk to William, let him know that we have to replace him. You know, it's it's got to happen. And, you know, real quick before I get to the very end, there were other companions with with William Hartnell. There was Vicky, played by Maureen O'Brien. Uh, she was an orphan from the 23rd century. And she was basically just a Susan replacement. They right. kind of brought her in just so they can have another person to be a damsel in distress. She didn't last long. A lot of her serials are lost. I'll talk more about when I say uh, what a lost serial is in the second Doctor. He's more impacted by lost serials. But basically, there are many episodes from classic, uh, from the first two eras of Classic Who that are just missing. Of William Hartnell's 134 episodes, 44 of those are missing, I think. Wow, that's still a good chunk. Yeah, you still got 90 episodes with William Hartnell, but there's just a lot that are just gone. And a lot of a lot of Vicky's episodes are gone. As are Stephen uh, Stephen Taylor, played by Peter uh, Peter Purves, I think. Wow, uh, good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> <laughs> but but Stephen was a very fun character. I really liked him. But he was also kind of just a very questioning, dumb guy. You know, he didn't he didn't have a lot of input other than being like the big action guy. But the then there was Katarina. There was Dodo Chaplet. Other characters, Dota Chaplet, she's played by Jackie Lane. She was a 60s flower child. Like, only she only has three serials that remain, so I don't really know anything about her other than oh. that she's a little loud and a little crazy. But, like, <laughs> that's it. But the, the last two companions were Ben Jackson, played by Michael Craze, and Polly, played by Annette Wills. And I'll talk more about them in Doctor, uh, the second Doctor. Even though they don't have basically any serials that remain... Uh, They're more of a second Doctor companion than the first Doctor because I think it's their very first serial with William Hartnell that he regenerates. Wow. And their, their, their reactions basically say it all. 
one of the episodes that's missing even is the regeneration episode. They have recreated it mostly with animation and then we have the full regeneration itself like that's saved but like mm. that that whole serial is just gone but i mean you can always watch the the william hartnell regeneration in the patrick trout and it's just very silly it's just you see <laughs> william hartnell's face it flashes white and it just kind of molds in the patrick Trouton's face and it's kind of that's funny crazy <laughs> but but like but ben jackson you get the reaction from ben and from you know all the everybody who was watching and from the makers themselves where it's just like we don't know and we don't know if we're going to explain what just happened. Because Ben's like, that's not the doctor. It can't be the doctor. And then like Polly's like, but you just saw him change. And he's like, yeah, but well, I have no explanation for it. And that's that's it. <laughs> that's really it. They just move on from there. And I mean, that's that's kind of what happens is uh, Sidney Newman pulls William Hartnell in, tells him, William, I'm sorry, but we got to let you go. We got to we got to keep this show feeling vibrant, feeling new, we're going to replace you with a new actor. It's still going to be the same character, but we're going to bring in a new actor. And, and Hartnell's just like, well, who are you replacing me with? And Sidney shows him a picture of Patrick Troughton. And, you know, William Hartnell has said in interviews and stuff that that was the only man who could replace him. Oh, that was good. the only man in England who could take that job over from him and keep the show alive. And so we'll talk, we'll talk Patrick Troughton next time. Not not next episode, but the next time we do this. Yeah, next yes. time we do Doctor Who, I don't know how long it'll be between these episodes. We don't even know when this one's gonna come out. Absolutely but, not. <laughs> but I hope you I hope you enjoyed me rambling about something I love so much, so dear. And uh, from here on out, they won't be as long because I had to I had to toss in a lot of you know Doctor Who facts and everything to just hopefully set it up in a uh, understandable episode i don't i i, hope I think i, hope I think you did a good job i really do and i had fun because you know there's things that i learned about that the you know the early doctor yeah. stuff and how the behind the scenes stuff happened you know i don't think you know even if you people were to go out and watch this show they probably wouldn't know about the behind the scenes stuff unless they looked it up right so i think that's yeah. a nice this is a nice companion piece to thank you dr who or william hartner era and to, to just give a closing statement on william hartnell i give him uh uh if i were to rate him which i i feel like yeah. is, it feels weird to me but that is kind of the format of this show is well, to rate can, things can i ask you for a special rating yes. for this show can yes. you rate him uh one uh, between one and 14 timey wimeys <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't, I don't want to do that because then I would feel like I would have to rank them, you know, one I, I through know. fourteen. I, okay, let's do, let's do five, five timey wimeys out of five. Oh, timey out of five. Let's All keep right, it four. to four timey wimeys. Well, four yeah, that way, I, that way I know my, that way I know my structure because otherwise I'd have to rethink everything. I, I give it two and a half timey wimeys. Two and a half um, timey wimeys. Which okay, that's it, fair. That honestly feels bad for me because like I respect what William Hartnell and this first Doctor did sure. so much. This is this is my everything. I love this show. Uh, you know, I can spend my whole life just researching this show. It's so much fun for me. I love it. And you know, but his his doctor is a little hard to swallow. He is a, you know, he's very crass. Very, he can be mean at times. Uh, very bumbling and adorable. Of course, I do love him. And there's so many so many great episodes, so many great moments with William Hartnell. But it is a little dry. It's a little hard to swallow. Right. 
And and I understand that for some people it might not be a good jumping on point for, for sure. the show. And you know what? I think um, that as a critic, which is unfortunately what we are, <laughs> you can re- you can love something and still recognize that it's not as great as it could be. And you're also comparing it to other parts of this many, many decades show. Oh, God, so, yeah. Yeah. And that's the one thing, too, is uh, as, I, as I said at the beginning, there are many ways to approach this show. And what I'm kind of hoping happens is that I'll basically get through all of the doctors doing it this in this format. I'll just do the eras each at a time, talk a little yeah. bit about them and go through the whole doctors. And then I'll go back and do them by serial. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if I if we end up like actually making money off this and then we're like yeah. if we're doing this full time, I would one hundred percent devote a whole day a week mm-hmm. into a serial, you know, just talk yes. about one serial each week. The, like the I would Doctor Who it. Corner. Yes. But uh, I think I think that has been enough. I think I think I am uh, my brain's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I want to finish today's episode with a cinema fact that I learned today. Did you know that in the illustrious career of John Wayne, that he played Genghis Khan in a movie called The Conqueror? Mm, that doesn't seem like it would be. Uh... A thing that would happen today. <laughs> no, that would not happen today. <laughs> yeah, I heard this oh, and yeah. I was like, that is the most ridiculous thing I have that sounds ever awful. heard. Uh, that sounds I, heard, so I awful. actually heard that it's actually a, a really good movie. Um, but oh. still, we don't need yeah. yellow face. I will... We just don't need that. No, I will say that, um, and I don't know this for certain, but that is almost, you know, almost positively something you can expect in Doctor Who and those first uh, few serials. Like thinking back on it, I don't know specifics, but I, I'm guaranteeing you that when they go back in the time and those historical pieces, there's probably some inappropriate oh, yeah. casting there. Oh, I'm sure. And I know, I know of one instance with the second Doctor where there was a casting choice and a, a part of an episode that really just bothers me. Because the episode surrounding it is fucking phenomenal, but that character is there and they use it in that way. Yeah. That I'll talk about. I'll talk about it when we get to the doctor or second doctor, but that is a hurdle with watching older shows is like yeah. seeing the issues of those times presented like that. It's just like, oh, I yeah. love this so much, just, but why are you there? It's just, I'm just happy that we're moving away from that idea. Like that. Yeah that we need to get a big enough name for this character it's got we gotta cast a white guy that doesn't yeah. that that just does not need to happen i mean oh. i mean if if even if shang chi is is to show anything like i mean right yeah i mean obviously today we would not cast a white person as shang chi but if we're gonna compare it to danny rand that show did not do so well <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Iron Fist show. Uh, so, yeah. But I mean, I mean, you, you see it also with Doctor Who too, where it's like you know, just recently they cast Jodie Whittaker, and you know that I will say it's not it's not much of a spoiler because it's a huge media thing right now. Jodie is stepping down; she is leaving the role. Yeah. So the big question right now in a lot of Whovians' minds: Who are we going to replace her with? 
Right. And there are like a lot of fans out there, which this wasn't the case like four years ago. There are a lot of fans who are like, no, there has to be a woman to replace Jody. You can't just go right back to you a man. You can't just go like, right I, back. I think I, I agree. feel like it's a majority. It's a majority opinion, which I was so surprised and happy with because like when when they cast Jody, I was fucking over the moon. I was like, hell yeah! Right. And people five years were kind of against it. That oh, I was against it five years before that because yeah. it, it you know when when uh, when I first started watching the show and I heard a friend who was just like, hey, what do you think if they cast a female doctor? I was like. My, my first thought was just like well that doesn't that doesn't work you know it's a it's a it's a it's a boy's hero and then like yeah. as i but but that's how i was in high school you know right, that's sure. that was my that was my thought process but then i came to when i got into college and like the more i watched the show the more i was like boys can also still worship this fucking character if it's a female doctor and guess what boys are worshiping the hell out of it but so are yeah. women now they're bringing in a lot of uh yeah. female audience i mean i know a lot of women who are huge who fans yeah and, and the fact that they've uh you know finally got jody whitaker in there and that the whole not the whole fan base but a a bigger majority of the fan base now is adamantly like it's gotta you gotta have a female era now. I want to keep seeing this happen. Yeah, and at I'm just least, like at least yeah. a couple more times before you go back. And, and yeah. we also need people of color to, in the role. I really do right. think so. I mean, as small of a place as England is, uh, the UK rather, because there has been a few yeah. Scottish doctors. Right. It is a pretty diverse area in the urban areas. I mean, yeah. Th- they they gotta represent those people in this that show. I think I will say that previously on this podcast, I've mentioned many times I want Letitia Wright to be in the yeah. role. Not this time around, but Richard A. Aoa I think still needs to be considered. <sighs> yeah, I want I want him so badly, but I don't think it'll ever happen. Yeah, he'll either get too big or uh, fall by the wayside too much. I think yeah. is what will happen and- in years to come. I think so too. I, well, I think yeah, I think it's more like the older he gets, the less likely he will be for the role. But I, I hope that's not the case. Like, I, I hope so. he's still considered. Yeah. Like, he, he can on. be. I mean, even if he gets, I mean, let's look at Peter Capaldi. He was the fucking president of the, <laughs> the fan club, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he finally got the role. So, ah. Uh. I think, why can't that happen for Richard? Okay, well, I think we probably got to close this show, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I can go on for hours, but yeah, we'll we'll be back with Patrick Troughton sometime in the uh, hopefully near future, but who knows? Until then, I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon. Thank you so much for listening, safe travels, and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.